welcome to the At Peace Parents podcast. I'm Casey, and I'm here to empower you in your decision-making as a parent of a demand-avoidant child. My goal is to share insights that will generate aha moments and support your connection with your child. I'm a mom of two amazing little boys, one of whom is PDA, and I've worked with hundreds of parents just like you to teach them how to lead their child out of burnout and find the clarity, peace, and sense of community they need. Grief is a large part of this process, and it's, you know, something that is not always recognized within ourselves or within our partners. Um, and it can also be scary to talk about it um, when your child is fine, right, to the outside world and they have all their limbs, they don't have a visible disability, and like in many ways are high functioning according to what society calls them. And so I'm sure a lot of you have doubted yourselves and kept your feelings in about the real grief that you experience when you realize and start to process that your child has a disability. In this case, our child, our children have a nervous system disability, right? And other people are looking at sort of the autism and they're saying, oh, well, you know, he talks or she talks and they make eye contact, they'll be fine, right? And so what I would say to that is just remembering like, Yes, our children have differences as autistic individuals, but what disables them is actually the nervous system. And, you know, as parents, a lot of us doubt ourselves, especially mothers, and that's normal because we've we've gotten feedback that has sort of made it seem not like it's not that big of a deal or like it's something that we were doing wrong. So part of what you're going through in this process is seeing all of these other families who are in similar situations, you know, we're working through the modules and you're realizing like it is a disability, right? And there aren't things, there are things about it that we can't change, namely the fact that our child's nervous system activates anytime their brain perceives a boundary, a limit, a no, a loss of autonomy or, or a loss of equality right? That is really hard to wrap your mind around because it poses a lot of limitations, not just for your child, but also for your family and the lifestyle and and the family dynamics that you expected, right? So so there's grief and um, every parent I've worked with has experienced this. I have also experienced this. you know, there's that initial phase of denial. Like I remember denying that there was anything wrong, wrong, anything different about my son that wasn't under his control. I remember joking about my husband with my husband just this last week of like my son running into a wall and hurting himself and (laughs) me being like, remember when you argued with me that Cooper had sensory processing disorder because like he would just like run into walls like this fall he broke his collarbone and two ribs running smack into a wall at his Montessori but before like we were bargaining denying and then bargaining just on that small thing of like no he can't have sensory differences right and so 
it takes time, right? We we go in the denial phase. There's often um, a disconnect between parents. It's usually the lead parent, lead caregiver who comes to terms with it first, and the partner, co-parent, often the dad. <laughs> Sorry, dads, <laughs> but they often. Um, stay in denial longer because they're not the ones spending all the time with the child. And then you move into a period of bargaining, right? Which is like, I can fix this. I can figure out how to fix the problem. And I'm, I've spent, I spent, you know, more than a year in this space where it was like, we tried the dye free diets. We tried, you know, supplements. We tried different therapies, neurofeedback, the focus program, like all the things. Right. And one part of my brain was like, you know, we're going to help him and support him. But in the back of my head, I was like, we're going to fix this. Right. And like, I felt very comfortable with the sensory processing lens because it was like, oh, sensory integration. They'll like learn to figure it out and then they'll be, and then they'll be fine. Right. And like, at one point we were doing occupational therapy five times a week, you know, and really like we're in that early intervention model of like, oh, he's not six yet. We can really like change the way the brain works and, and, you know, make things better. And, you know, to a degree things did help, but what has always remained, regardless of how many supports we have, whether we have extra caregivers, the service dog, all of it, there's still PDA as a neurotype and a nervous system disability. And, And then the next phase is like rage and depression, right? And this is the the space that I call my trauma cave. Like when I was definitely not coaching and I was definitely not on social media. And, you know, part of what helped me come out of it was some writing, getting caregiving support, finding another group of moms here in Michigan and like starting the podcast. Um, but you know, I could, I was so angry at the world and my lot in life. Like I could barely even speak to people that I used to spend a lot of time with. Right. And like, there was a pruning element of like, I have to reorganize my energy if this is going to be sustainable. Right. And I can't live my life in the way that I used to, but there's this rage, right. Of like, this is so (laughs) fucking unfair. And what did I do to deserve this? And victim, you know, the feeling of victimhood, which I want to name and validate. It's okay if you're still there. The reason I'm naming these phases is because you will move through them, right? And then on the other side of that is there's still loss, but there's acceptance, right? And when we fully, finally accept, you know, this is part of my experience as a human on this planet and this is part of my parenting journey and this is part of my child's human experience and i can never change that i can support them and i can still have faith for growth and learning to manage the disability but the disability itself is not going to go away and that is an excruciating journey right and and you need to not do it alone if you can, right? Like finding support from like-minded people, reaching out on 
you know, I found my group of moms, the first one who I did the podcast with, I found from posting on the Tilt Parenting Facebook group, right, about a service dog. And that's how she found me. But really, like, finding safe spaces, finding therapeutic spaces for yourself and and really, like, giving some time and space to processing, right? And then once you start to accept, like, okay, this isn't going to change, like space opens up, not just in like your heart and your psyche, but also in your life where it's like, okay, I'm not going to continue to hit my head against the wall trying to make X work. When you stop doing that, you have energy and space to see things that are there for you that you didn't realize, right? Like people, caregivers, opportunities, things that you never imagined because you were going on a certain trajectory. Okay. So that's the first thing I will say, like you will get to acceptance and you will toggle back and forth sometimes. Like I did this Father's Day weekend, which was a shit show and, you know, had those conversations with my husband of like, this is never going to stop. It's always going to be so hard. And then pausing and realizing like, actually things are so much better. And actually I'm in such a different place. And actually we are in a completely different equilibrium than we were even one year ago or two years ago or three years ago, right? Three years ago was the anniversary of when I like sat in a yoga class and wept and decided to quit my career to figure out what the hell was going on with my son in DC. Right. And I remember like, I couldn't even give my husband a father's day anything because I was just like, I couldn't stop weeping. It was terrible. Right. But not only did my, has my son slowly gotten to a much better place, we've gotten to a much better place of understanding him and ourselves and how to craft a life that supports not just him, but also us in that space, right? And that takes a lot of deliberate decision-making and recognition of the trade-offs and cost-benefit analysis. And if we don't fully accept our lived reality, we can't make informed decisions. The next thing I would say is like, I really don't like that everything happens for a reason at all. (laughs) If you do, that's great. If it serves you, awesome. But like, that can feel like, you know, it's a cosmic punishment or like you need to have this lesson or whatever. My viewpoint is like, not necessarily that it happened for a reason, but we can make meaning and find opportunity in difficult circumstances. So that's different than like, you deserve this because X happened, right? It's more you know, given that this is how it is, what is the opportunity that I can find in it? Right. Um, And I think there can be an opportunity to understand yourself better, to take care of yourself better, to set boundaries, to understand your family history, your childhood, your own neurotype. And that's painful too. And there's grief there too. This is like a process. Um, And, you know, I know what you want to hear is like, do the kids get better? And yeah, if you accommodate them, they will, but PDA doesn't go away. 
And so there is that balance of like you learning to to craft a life that supports it for you cultivating a different mindset and acceptance with time and patience and compassion for yourself. And then also the fact that like with accommodations, their nervous system will be less activated and there's more space for resilience and growth. Where everything lands is going to be unique to each family. Um, And I just want to emphasize like, and people may disagree with this perspective, um, but my perspective is, and the reason I started this practice and business is like, we can't help autistic children or PDA children if the parents are burning out and ending up hospitalized, which is something I've seen. So, you know, when we talk about nonviolence and we talk about compassion and we talk about non-reactivity, at least from the Buddhist perspective, it has to start with self, right? So like stopping to beat yourself up and finding freedom in the fact that like, given that your child has a disability, means you didn't cause any of this and it's not your child's fault either right and there's freedom in that just like letting go of whatever narratives you've created and allowing yourself to have compassion about who you are as a mother or father who you are in your identity um and like really seeing that like First, we have to be nonviolent towards self in order to offer nonviolence to our children. And same thing with like non-reactivity. And of course, it's a practice. And like, I have the narratives in the back of my head, too, of like this morning, like I lost my patience after an hour and a half of like trying to keep the kids from killing each other. And, you know, I like talked about natural consequences because my PDA kid was like impulsively putting his face in my other son's you know, who was strapped into his car seat and like he could have walked around the van, but he was like trying to push past and like impulsively putting his face and like hitting my three-year-old's foot and the three-year-old kicked him in the face. And it was like, instead of getting in that energy of de-escalation and just like nervous system disability threat response, I can accommodate you know, I was at the end of my rope and I started lecturing, right? So, you know, instead of getting mad at myself, which of course I did at first, is like, okay, like compassion, this is hard. This is a hard practice. It's a daily practice. It gets easier with time, but like, I will still have my moments. And so, you know, all of you, I'm just inviting you to have compassion for yourself and nonviolence towards self and non-reactivity towards self so that you can be well in leading your family to a different equilibrium. And I have faith in you. I have faith in your kids. I have faith that you're going to figure it out. I have faith that there are people and opportunities there for you that are waiting to come into your path to help in ways you never imagined but we need to make space for them. Um, I believe that, you know, even though it feels like sometimes, you know, it feels like you're forsaken. I don't believe that you are forsaken. And I've had to do a lot of like meditation 
for that exact theme of like feeling totally forsaken, but you're not, we're all here. You're not the only one. (laughs) Um, And I do believe it will get better. Thanks everyone for being here with me at the at peace parents podcast. This is your source for all things related to understanding, supporting, accommodating, and advocating for your PDA child. To go deeper on any of these topics, check out my course offerings and masterclasses at the website www.atpeaceparents.com. To completely transform the way you think about and relate to your child and to bring peace and stability to your home, join us for the next cohort of the Paradigm Shift program. Enrollment is now open until January 11th, 2023.